everyone and welcome back to the Monday Morning Faith Podcast. My name is Emily and today we're going to be in Philippians. Uh, we're going to be bouncing around the whole book, uh, chapters 1 to 4. So if you want to pull out your Bible or the Bible app or simply listen, um, we're going to be in Philippi- Philippians today. And we're going to be discussing what are you looking to? Who are you looking to? Who is leading your life and how is that impacting you? Um, so yeah, who are you looking to? What are you looking to? And we're going to be using, once again, Philippians to take a look further into that. So let's get started. Um, I want to start right in the beginning with chapter one, where Paul says, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And he says that in Philippians 1, verse 9 through 11. And the reason I read that to start off is because this letter is written um, to people, and it's not so much that this is a um, hard look at uh, doctrine rules, but this was actually a letter that was written to the people at Philippi. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And this letter is talking about the love and friendship of this with so much love for these people. And it kind of reminds you that who you follow and who you look to really actually matters. And we see in the gospels that Jesus saves the life of a man and heals this man, base a paralyzed man, because of his friend's belief. So who you surround yourself with really matters. Yeah, the story of the paralyzed man is beautiful because it's by his friend's faith that he is saved and restored and healed. So who we surround ourselves with really matters. And the way Paul says this in that prayer I just read, you can see how much love Paul has for these people. So once again, who you interact with and who you look to matters. So why don't we keep going and keep exploring what Philippians has to offer about these situations. So we also see that part of our interactions with others is who we are and who God calls us to be and who we become, our choices, our actions. This also influences our relationships with others, who we get into relationships with, who we preserve relationships with, and Um, it's important that we play our role in what this looks like. So in chapter 1, verse 27, Paul says, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And it's hard to always conduct yourself in a worthy manner, absolutely. In fact, it's one of the most difficult things I think there is about being a Christian or a follower of Christ would be to always try and strive to conduct ourselves. But the trying and striving isn't necessarily the hard part. It's actually acting it out and seeing it through. That's the hard part to actually do it, to conduct yourselves in a worthy manner. That is difficult. It's difficult when people insult you and degrade you and make you feel bad. They guilt you. They hurt your feelings they annoy you, they anger you, then it's hard to conduct yourself in a worthy manner. For example, my 
um, people that live above me in my apartment are really noisy and for whatever reason they like drag their chairs across the floor or they have like I guess like a ball for their dog or child and it rolls against the floor and it's actually like very loud and it drives me like bonkers I have spent more time praying about my noisy neighbors upstairs to be quiet than I think anything else in the last month especially which is like terrible (laughs) I'd much rather spend time praying about many other things but it's been just driving me absolutely mental so yesterday I finally had it and I got a broomstick and started whacking it on the ceiling which did not seem to make things quieter on their end so um, I finally broke. I was so angry. I said, I've prayed about this and it's not happening. They're not being more quiet. And, you know, I started whacking and, you know, and then I kind of felt convicted for a quick second. I was like, you know, this is not really worthy Christ-like manner. This is not good conduct. Whacking a broomstick up against the ceiling to get my neighbors to be quiet for like an hour straight. Yeah, that's, you know, this isn't the most worthy Christ-like conduct. I don't think that's something Jesus would have done. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I think it's difficult to actually act out this conduct, but um, we're going to keep reading and implore how we can do that. And then also how this influences our relationships. But that's just a real life example. And um, I'm going to walk away from that experience, uh, choosing to continue to pray about this and perhaps ask God for ways that I can deal with the situation and for solutions rather than just hitting the ceiling with a broomstick. Um, to get back into the word, in chapter two, um, Paul implores us to be like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit. And of one mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So that's what he says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 2 through 5. And this is now where we see the overlap between how we act ourselves and then how we interact with those around us and who we look up to, who we allow to influence us and all those other things. So now we see the overlap because Paul says, be like-minded, have the same love. Let's pause there. Um, I think often we follow people or look to people that we are not like-minded with. And I'm not talking about, and Paul's not talking about, Being like-minded in the sense, oh, we have all the same hobbies, we like to go on hikes, we both like country music. No, that's not the kind of like-mindedness Paul is talking about. He means living in the spirit rather than living in the flesh. That's the kind of like-mindedness that Paul's talking about. Believing in God, loving God, respecting God. Um, Or even if you're not yet a believer of God, perhaps just being like-minded with those who have a curiosity about God who are open to God, um, and then furthermore seeking out people who, um, who can encourage your relationship with God, um, and becoming then like-minded in them with a sense. So, and then to have the same love. Paul's definitely not talking about have the same love for someone's husband, or father, or sister. Paul's talking about have the same love for Christ, 
have the same love for other people around you in your community. You know, have that kind of love. Have a a community church-filled love. Have a a God-focused, Christ-centered love. That type of love. Because then that will go out into all relationships with your dentist, with your doctor, with your mechanic, with the woman behind you at the line in the grocery store, with the person you're mad at in traffic, that love will abound throughout your entire heart and into your whole life. So have the same love. And if you look around your friends and family and you're not of that same love, I encourage you to be that love. Be that love that transcends in your community. Be the love that grows that. Be that person that other people are looking to. Why is that person always so happy? I can't believe that person is so kind and generous. When people talk about you, trust me, you'd rather have them say those things than say, oh, wow, her body looks so good in that swimsuit. Or, wow, she looks really pretty with the way she did her makeup today. What would you rather have people say about you? And ultimately, it doesn't even matter what other people say about you. It matters what God says about you which is that you are loved, that you are beautiful and perfectly knit together in your mother's womb, and that he knows the very numbers on your head. That's what matters. That's what shows um, the love, and that's where we get our love, and we're able to express our love through Christ's love for us. So that's not to say that people are always talking about you or you should even remotely concern yourself with what others think, but... Have that same Christ-like love and let it abound in your community and let it abound through you in your life and take refuge in relationships with that same like-mindedness and love. Furthermore, it says in that verse, um, chapter 2, verse 2, being one in spirit and one of mind. So that talks about being in relations with others, once again, who are walking in Christ um, and have the same mindset regarding God and um, the way we are to conduct ourselves uh, as we discuss other of a worthy conduct um, that is Christ-like. Then he goes on to specify a little bit more in depth about how we are to conduct ourselves and interact with others and the types of people that we want to surround ourselves with. So he says in verse 3, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. So if we are called to do nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit, why would we surround ourselves with people who do that, who tempt us, who influence us, who promote that lifestyle of selfish ambition and vain conceit? I ask you, do you follow anyone on social media that is clearly using social media as a platform for vain, for vanity and for selfish ambition? So idolatry, they're either looking for money, they're looking for fame, they're looking for, um, a physical validation of their body, um, all those things, first of all, allow the spirit to convict you as to whether or not the people you're following or looking up to in your life or surrounding yourself with, even your friends and family, allow the spirit to convict you um, as to whether someone's intentions are in the right place or not. And then also allow the spirit to convict you whether or not um, this is someone you want influencing you or the degree to which you should allow this person to influence you. And then that's something you can pray about. And in fact, I'm going to offer a prayer right now for that. If you are, maybe that's something you've never even thought about. Maybe it's something you spent a lot of time thinking about. But I'm going to offer a prayer right now. You can pray along in your head, out loud. Um, You can pray your own prayer. Um, 
or you can just simply listen. So, dear Jesus, Father in heaven, I look to you and I place you above all else. In this life and in this world, there are so many people and so many influences, and there's people I'm close with and there's people I've never met. They present themselves to me every day nonetheless, whether it be on my timeline, on social media, or in my community, or in my own home. There's people that influence me and people that I look to and people I follow. But God, I need your discernment and I need your guidance to show me um, what is right and what is wrong, the things I should look to and the things I should look away from. I need your discernment and would you please guide me, God, now in this deliverance from anyone who might be influencing me towards idolatry, towards putting anything above you, towards any selfishness or vanity. God, I ask that you would help me to stray away from these influences and to allow myself to be surrounded with people who will encourage me and deliver me away from those things and towards more fulfilling um, potentials in my life and so that I wouldn't be seeing messages of vanity and that that would lead me down a path straying me away from you. And I ask that you would just give me um, a spirit-filled feeling of discernment over these situations and with these people so that I can draw closer to you, not further away. In your name, I pray for this guidance. Amen. So that's just an example of a prayer for getting God's discernment uh, with the use of social media, but also our relationships. Um, And so Paul goes on to also say, rather in humility, value others above yourselves. So once again, if this is something we're being called to do, how should we let those we look up to or those in our lives influence us in this way? Ask yourselves, is the person you follow on social media, is that friend of yours valuing others above themselves? In other words, are they selfless? If yes, then strive to be more and more like that friend or that influence and let them guide you towards a more selfless lifestyle. We can all be more selfless, including myself. And that's something I personally try and strive for um, all the time. Uh, it's something I've been working on for a few years now, especially um, trying to grow the area of selflessness in my life. Um, but I encourage you to also look at your relationships. And if you have someone in your life who is the opposite of that and they're only interested in themselves and not looking to the interests of others, I would encourage you to examine that relationship and ways you can protect yourself from that influence um, in particular because who we surround ourselves with matters. Just like the um, story in the Gospels regarding the paralyzed man who was saved by his friend's faith, it's important who you surround yourselves with, not just for Uh, saving salvation uh, and growth like we were talking about with selflessness but also for protection Um, who you surround yourself with matters because it protects you from temptation or it can lead you to temptation Um, the temptation of self selfishness is one that doesn't even feel like a temptation it's like salient it's like a uh, like a gas in the air you can't see it but you can certainly feel it once you've been breathing it in for so long and it consumes your lungs and it consumes your heart and the more you breathe it in, the more intoxicated your body becomes by it. And before you know it, you're also embracing a selfish rather than selfless lifestyle. And so that's something I warn you against and that's something I constantly try and warn myself against. 
Um, and that's why Paul wrote it um, in 60 AD to also warn us against. Um, he, Paul then goes on to say, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So who are you looking to, um, who do you allow into your life? Who is placed in your life that you have no influence over? Um, or sorry, you have no choice over whether or not they're in your life, such as uh, family, co-workers. These are people who are just in your life. You have to have a relationship with them. Or, uh, you know, sometimes it's estranged and you don't have a say over that. But, you know, these are people that, you know, God has chosen to put in our lives. And it's not like a influencer you can unfollow or a friend you can unfriend. It's someone that's stable and unfortunately or fortunately just placed in your life and you have no say over it. So how do you have the same mindset as them? Well, I believe that this is then an encouragement for you to ultimately try your very best to believe in God in all circumstances and be the best person you can possibly be conducting yourself in the most worthy manner because that is ultimately all you can control in a situation like that. You can't control what the other person's going to do and their mindset. Um, all you can do is in your relationships with these people is to foster and encourage a Christ-like mindset. So bond your relationship into the same mindset over time, hopefully just with lots of petition and encouragement. Um, so that's Paul saying in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. The relationships you can't control to summarize in those uncontrollable relationships, you should try and foster that same mindset um, or at least yourself example that mindset for others, exemplify it in front of everyone the best you possibly can. But in the relationships you do control, the relationships you elect to have, the people you choose to surround yourself with, the people online, the people in person, your friends, the people you choose to be in relations with, allow yourself to be in the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And that goes for relationships too, boyfriend and girlfriend. Um, it's important to be in that same mindset because who they are and who you are are going to influence each other a lot. And as we just looked at, um, it can slowly, like a gas, creep in and consume you without you realizing it um, if you're not in that same mindset. Um, it's not just selfishness that can consume us and toxify ourselves. It can be anything. It can be um, alcohol usage, drug usage. Uh, using the Lord's name in vain is a huge one. In fact, I actually had a very have a very close friend who uses uh, the Lord's name in vain full stop, just says it like the entire thing. like, And it's like really hurtful to me. And ironically, she also calls her like says she's a christian and identifies as a christian um and believes in god but she does use his name in vain and it's extremely hurtful and i caught myself um many times slipping the omg into text messages which everyone is has their own opinion about and you know i've done it before so i'm not here to condemn or convict anyone of using the lord's name in vain because who am i to judge i've done it before too although i've made a very very um, hard effort to not use it at all ever so I've been doing very good with that and I've really challenged myself to do that if that's something you struggle with especially over text I suggest going into your shortcuts on your app um, like the settings app 
and go into shortcuts and like keyboard shortcuts and change uh, all the Lord's name in vain that you could use to say like the word no. And that way, when you go to text it, it won't allow you to text it. It'll replace the word with the word no. And that really helped me to stop saying things like OMG. And for me, that was important with my relationship with God. But, you know, it's completely your own relationship. And I'm not a pastor, so I'm not going to lecture anyone, certainly on that, because that's something I myself have struggled with greatly. Um, But the reason I was struggling with it so much is because I was allowing myself to be surrounded by people who were constantly, constantly using the Lord's name in vain. And as a result, I... um, you know, I just text that person less. I'd rather be on the phone with them because they're less likely to say it to me on the phone, at least in that relationship, um, among other th- things with that relationship. And it's just like, if you have someone constantly, constantly putting something in your mind and just, it impacts you over time. And just like the selfishness, um, it'll creep into it. So saying the Lord's name in vain will just creep into your own life Um, before you know it and that's why it's important that who we make relationships with the ones we choose to be in more than anything we have that same mindset Um, and I think that's really really an important part of Philippians as an overarching theme Um, then Paul later on in chapter 2 around verse verse 14 he goes on to also um, talk to us about the kind of conduct we should be looking for and he talks a bit about our generation obviously he's meaning his generation but still incredibly applicable to today's day and age which is ironically not that far off um so he says in verse 14 do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of god without fault in a warped and crooked generation and that latter part uh is Paul quoting Deuteronomy 32 verse 5. So that's a combination of Paul and from the Old Testament. And what he's saying there is to one way to exemplify God and one way to conduct yourself and the people you surround yourself with should also conduct themselves with like this is to not grumble or argue. So grumble, how often do you get together with a group of friends and Instead of it being a positive conversation, oh, how's your school going? And encouraging each other about your workplaces and your families and supporting one another in hard times. It's just grumbling about assignments and deadlines and bad bosses and bad coworkers and annoying people. And before you know it, it's just one big grumbling session. And it's hard to get out of that. There's actually a psychological term for it. It's called co-rumination. Women are actually especially prone to it. And the issue with co-rumination is it actually makes you feel significantly worse. And statistically, if that's something you partake in regularly, you're more likely to have anxiety and depression uh, at least some of the time or actually all the time. So I would caution you against co-rumination or um, persistent grumbling as Paul would say, and it just goes to show that the book that was written by Paul 2,000 years ago is still extremely accurate because just as Paul said grumbling would be bad for us, so does psychology today. So not a new concept, but still very important because it's part of human nature and it's quite tempting to complain and grumble. So that's something that hopefully if you look to the right people and surround yourself with 
people that don't do that, it will inspire you to stray away from that as well. Um, because once again, who you put around yourself does absolutely matter. Um, it also says do everything without arguing in that verse. And um, I myself am highly argumentative. And at many times it can be a good thing. It can be a protective thing, arguing for my loved ones, um, arguing for myself. Um, and sometimes it can be a good thing, but sometimes it can be bad and it can be used in the absolute wrong way. So take Paul's caution and be careful who you surround yourself with. If these are people that are argumentative, um, it can incite a lot of things like anger, especially that's probably the biggest one. Anger and frustration, guilt, rage. Um, and if you find yourself constantly around people like that, um, that can be really detrimental to your long-term health and also your relationship with God. Because, you know, when you're filled with those things, you, you're more likely to give into temptation. You're more likely to sin. You're probably more less likely to talk to God about it because you're probably feeling too hot in that moment, too angry, to... Um, to humble yourself and talk to God about it. Um, so sometimes we also have those people we're in relations with that I mentioned that we don't control. So if you have a parent and you argue with them all the time, I would absolutely turn to the Lord, turn to people who are spiritually mature. And if you don't have people that are spiritually mature in your life, um, seek out uh, trusted adults um, or anyone you trust fullheartedly that is most like in Christ-like mindset, that is most like Christ in mindset. Oh, that was hard to say. And seek someone like that and talk to them about it. And if you have none of those people in your life and you're like, what am I supposed to do? Simply talk to God about it and say, I'm struggling with this person in my life. They make me argumentative. It's either my coworker, my boss, my father, my mother, my sibling. I can't pick these people, but they're placed in my life and they're influencing me in a bad way. And God, I need your help with it. And ask him for solutions because he will provide. Um, and then he says, um, when we avoid these grumbling arguments and being like that, that person, either personality trait, action, um, motivation, when we avoid those two things, then we can become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. So... In order to be children of God without fault, and to be clear, obviously none of us can be without fault, we all sin, but what Paul is saying is we can be so faultless compared to the warped and crookedness all around us. But in order to be those people that can be pure and look pure amidst all the storm, we need to surround ourselves with people who are going to help us maintain that purity. Um, And when I say purity, I know that word often gets you know, convoluted with a lot of other things and sexual things. But when I'm saying purity, I mean pureness of the heart, pureness of the mind um, in all ways. So uh, pure in the sense there's no hatred in your heart. There's no um, vanity. There's no um, no uh, coveting in your heart, no looking for things, uh, no idolatry in your heart, replacing God. Um, so then we can truly look without fault. We can inspire, we'll set ourselves apart and look pure among the rest because um, it's really difficult to do these things. 
and especially difficult if you have no one in your life you're surrounded with who's going to encourage that in you. So seek out these people who can help you maintain your good path that is the path of God and um, definitely keep looking for those people. And um, later on in chapter 2 verse 21, Paul says, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Is that not the biggest truth? Even Christians, people like me and potentially you who love God with their whole hearts, how often do we look for our own interests, our own comfort over the interests of Jesus? How often do we have a granola bar in our purse or our backpack and see a homeless person with a need food, I'm hungry sign, decide not to stop because it would make us late for the bus, it would make us late to class or work, um, or we're just simply being lazy, we don't want to walk across the street and give it to them, and we're looking out for our own comfort, our own interests, not of God. What would Jesus have done? Jesus would cross the street, he would give the food, and he would probably even give more than the food. He'd give a message of love, he would sit with them, he'd talk to them. And how often do we choose to do that? Well, we a lot of us don't, and that's also something I can personally work on, and I would encourage you to try to work on. Um, and when I say that situation, I just want to disclaim um, only if it you feel it in your spirit that it is a safe situation to approach. Um, I actually live in Vancouver and we have a huge homeless crisis and not all homeless people are always safe to approach. Some of them are on very heavy drugs, uh, street drugs. And so use your discernment over situations where you should approach and should not approach. And if you do um, approach, it's also nice if you have someone there. But at the same time, not every homeless person is on drugs or using drugs. So that's something to remind ourselves of too. Um, ultimately, when it comes to doing acts of service in the community, use the Holy Spirit's guidance and your gut feeling, which is your spirit inside of you, which is there to guide you and protect you and lead you. And so pray to God and ask God um, if you're unsure if you should approach someone due to safety, you should always seek to the Father and uh, potentially look for someone who can go with you into that situation. Um, but ultimately, always um, rely on God for um whether or not you should do something like that. But it's important though, in another example, everyone looks out for their own interests. We look out for our own interests in the sense that it's like, I'm going to choose to spend money on um, a new dress for Valentine's Day, but I'm not going to look out for the interests of my friend who recently lost her job and can't afford to go out for Valentine's Day this year. So instead of bringing her a box of chocolates, you choose to buy yourself the dress instead. And um, these are just kind of more like examples of like actually giving and serving others, um, which you're absolutely encouraged to do through the gospel. And God does a really good job of talking about the importance Jesus did while he was here on earth, especially um, about talking about the importance of, you know, giving back to others and serving others. But um there's many more examples of when we look out for our own interests instead of others. Um, maybe you can think of some of your own. Um, it's just really important to surround ourselves with people who are like-minded in Christ, who are looking out for the interests of God and the kingdom of God, who are looking to serve God, um, because that will help take you away from your own interests. And I'm not talking about, and Paul's here not talking about your basic necessities of life. He's not saying, 
go without food and water for a month, you know, for the interest of God. God's interest is also your well-being um, as, you're, as you're his child. You're a child of God. God cares about your well-being. Um, it's in his interest that your uh, cup is full. And what I mean by that is your spiritual, emotional, physical cup is as full as possible because when you're feeling your best, you're able to give your best. And when your spiritual, physical, emotional cup is drained, you can't do those things. So God cares about your interests too, and he wants you to feel sustained and healthy and able as much as possible to serve others. And he cares about your interests too. So lay your interests at his feet and ask yourself if they have good intentions behind them, if they have God's will and purposes behind them. And then lay those things at God's feet. Let God take care of you. And then ultimately go out and serve others. Um, that's obviously to say, especially take care of yourself. God often would withdraw, like Jesus would go off and pray silently. He would take care of himself. God wants you to take care of yourself too. So don't neglect your own well-being and needs. Um, but certainly beyond that, I'm talking about the interests of shopping, the interests of binge watching TV. Um, beyond that, look more so how you can do things for others' interests in those situations. I'm not talking about showering, eating, bathing, um, making money so you can live. I'm not talking about looking out for others' interests above those things. I'm talking about looking out for others' interests above your like others needs above your interest, basically. You take the situation of, yeah, someone doesn't have those basic things. They can't bathe themselves, feed themselves, they can't make money, and yet you choose um vain, vain things, your interests over their needs. Um so see what you can do in your life today to accompany God on the journey of fulfilling God's interests in others' lives. Put others' interests above your own and seek out people who are willing to do the same thing alongside you um, because that will encourage and inspire you at all times. Um, I know it's a hard call and it's an unpopular call. I'm not saying either, like, you have to do every single moment of your life, you know, serving Christ. I mean, that would be absolutely great and brilliant, but the reality is not everyone is going to do that. And God still loves you. You're still saved. Um, absolutely you know, if you don't feed every homeless person, you're still going to go to heaven if you believe in God. It's just to encourage you and inspire you to align yourself with people who will foster the interests of others in your heart rather than your own. That's simply all I'm saying, and that's a great summary of that sentence. Um, so I just want you to focus on that. Takeaway in Philippians chapter 3, verse 17 Paul goes on to say, keep your eyes on those who live as we do, which has absolutely been the message of today's entire podcast, but I want you to keep focused on it and keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Because if you are strayed from that, as I've been saying the whole time, you're going to be so influenced and brought down by that other energy, the other attention, where other people's hearts are that will influence you and it'll draw you to where that is. So think about and ask yourself, where do I want to be? What do I want my life to look like? What am I searching for? What do I want more than anything? 
bring those requests to God, as we talked about. But then furthermore, look for people in your life who can help you satisfy those dreams, who are going to inspire you. And ask God if those dreams are his dreams for you as well. And then really trust him with that situation. And trust that God will put the right people in your life to guide you to where he wants you to go. And then be willing and obedient to put yourself into those situations to further relationships with those people, which can be really stressful. Um, Friendship making and relationship building is like just so stressful, especially in today's day and age. But I believe in you and God is a God of great plans, of goodness, of faithfulness. And you can trust him to put the exact people you need in your life um, and to continually pray for that, um, that he would put role models in your life that you can look up to to help grow you. One of the best things I've ever done is I joined a prayer team at my church and they're all women who are 75, 80 years old, um, which is obviously a huge age difference because I'm in my 20s. And it's been absolutely the best thing I've ever done because I surround myself with people who live like me or people who live even more Christ-like than me. And that has pushed me to um, become better. And they don't even know that they're doing that. It's simply just by being around them. Because we're not talking about ourselves or praying for other people, but it's watching them conduct themselves in a certain way, um, live their lives in a certain way um, that is filled with positivity and God's grace and love and mercy. Um, that has just been so awe-inspiring in my own life. So I encourage you to follow um, the Bible's examples of people that are role models, people you are worthy of you looking up to, um, and find those people that will inspire the Christ-like conduct um, in your life that you really deserve to have. You deserve to have people that are going to lead you and inspire you and motivate you and you know keep you from temptation and sin. There's probably, if you think in your mind right now, there's probably an example of something some kind of sin or some kind of event that happened because of sin that really hurts you as a person. Um, maybe it was done to you. Maybe you did it to someone else. Um, maybe it just happened. And it probably hurts you a lot. But I ask you right now to think about how it might feel to have someone in your life who can protect you from those things, who can lead you away from such hurtful events, who can inspire you to seek healing from such things um, rather than tempt you to um, be in situations like that ever again. So um, think about an example in your own life that you've been through. And so then in Philippians uh, chapter 4 verse 8 he says, finally brothers and sisters, which means all of us, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. And so he's calling out the traits and the qualities that make a good role model or someone to look up to. So, um... If you've got an Instagram influencer or maybe she's just even someone in your town or he's someone in your town that you follow and they make you feel some type of lust, anger, um, vanity filled uh, desire or 
you're coveting them, if they're making you feel some kind of, like, icky way, um, I think this is a good checklist to look at. Ask yourselves, is this person in the truth? Are they noble? Is what they're posting noble? Is that what they're doing right? Is it pure? Are they acting in a pure way? Um, Is it something that you would describe as lovely or admirable? Do you think that what they say and do is excellent or praiseworthy? Um, That's a really good checklist that Paul gives us there. Because me in my own head right now, I'm thinking of lots of things that I follow that do not check that list. Um, Now, obviously not everything's not that deep. Like, you know, a meme account, a food blogger, you know, I'm not sure if you would call that like pure and noble, but it's certainly not the opposite of any of those things. So use your own discernment through the spirit, through the spirit that is in you, and use that checklist for people you follow online, people you build friends with, and all those things. Because if you have um, people surrounding you that are full of those traits, then, as Paul says, the peace of God will be with you. And to take things like this and to put it into practice in your own life so that you can act in truth, in nobility, in righteousness, in purity, in loveliness, in admiration, and do things that are excellent. So use people in your life that have those traits to help you build those traits within yourself. Because um, we always have room to grow um, in the word of God, in our own lives, in our actions, but growth is painful and people don't like growing. And that's kind of a normal normal experience. But I really do encourage you to seek growth um, wherever you can. And who we follow and who we look up to is absolutely uh, things we can sometimes control, sometimes things we cannot control as we discussed today. But I just pray that you would find um, God's answer in your life as to how you can uh, improve and grow in these relationships Uh, form new, better relationships, um, heal and mend and be more Christ-like in existing relationships, and uh, find people who will honor your mindset and grow in your mind, the same mindset, and be with you and just encourage you in all areas of your life, uh, but most especially in your relationship with God. That's something I pray for you today, and may it go well with you, and I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.